Morning, everybody. 9:10 on News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, our once a month appearance from uh, Dr. Dave Blodgett is here. Dr. Blodgett, how are you? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Now, uh, I say once a month, but I've had him on the phone what, four times or yeah. something this month. Yeah, so, well, that works out well, too. But you're actually here in person. It's good to see you. You're yeah. looking good. Got the nice tie and suit jacket on and everything. You know it is like 90 today, right? Yeah, well, yeah, but that, that's just, just what I wear. Are, are, aren't you allowed to lose the jacket, though, when it gets over 90? I suppose I could. We, I, I always, uh, you know, those few times I walk in and I'm not dressed appropriately, I thought, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. So I just wear a standard. Yeah, wear a polo shirt day. or something. Yeah. yeah. And then you, sure, sure as you do that, you see the governor or something. Yeah, something like exactly. that happens. So I, I, and that was more embarrassing. So I thought, you know what, I, I could be nicer dressed, but I don't want to be less nice dressed. So, uh, so here I am. <laughs> Well said. Uh, obviously, some, uh, I mean, COVID-19 still on everybody's mind, as it should be. Uh, a couple of issues uh, came up in, in the last few days, uh, and if you don't mind, I'd love, love to talk about it. Number one sure. is uh, the, the letter. Now, uh, I, I'm not sure who penned the letter. Was it the mayor or the county commissioners or whatever letter to the governor saying, hey, we'll go ahead and put us on yellow instead of orange because we, quite frankly, don't have the serious number of cases that you have up there. Yeah, so it was a, a joint letter, mostly, I think, coming out of the county commission office, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the mayors in the area, several counties uh, down here, all uh, signed on with the, uh, this exact idea that um, uh, we're, we've seen, a, you know, we've been really mild down here, and, uh, and, and part of the, the idea and the crux behind the letter was we're kind of already there, right? I mean, right. Uh, we've had a lot of visitors, and... Uh, Sand Hollow fills up every weekend, and then it, it creates difficulties in trying to maintain some of the the orange level uh, restrictions, particularly the travel restrictions. And so, in kind of an acknowledgement of where we are as a community, uh, they felt like and feel like it would be a, a good thing to be in the orange level. But um, so the letter was written. Unfortunately, the answer, like like Dad, Dad, can I go to that party? Uh, <laughs> no, you may not. Yeah, so I mean, it highlights some of the difficulty we faced from the beginning here, and that is, this is that it's called the Governor's Emergency Health Powers Act, right? And mm-hmm. it, it gives the governor the right and the the responsibility, as well as local health departments, to kind of make the calls on some of this stuff. And once he's made that call, uh, a local area can be more restrictive than what the governor was, but they can't be less restrictive. Right. So, so in other words, the ball is out of your hands at that point. Right, and it has been from the very beginning on this. And so, you know, we try and uh, advise and make sure people understand, uh, you know, what what's happening. But as far as the actual orders and, and all of that kind of thing, that's all been out of the governor's office. So, so I, I think it's impe- important people understand that, or know about uh, the governor's phased plan for reopening the economy. It's uh, red, orange, yellow, green levels of, mm-hmm. of how what kind of risk factor we're in. We just came out of red and moved to orange on May 1st. And so um, there's recommendations for everybody on there, but key in those recommendations are, um, number one, um, everybody has a part to play in this. And I think, I think really the message we want to make sure everybody understands, or I do, is there's still a, 
the, the, the personal responsibility has always been the most important thing here, right? Nothing, nothing, none of this works if people don't do it. <laughs> and so, right. so being aware and washing your hands and, and watching out for people that are sick and all of that, you know. All the stuff you've been saying uh, for yeah, years. I have, yeah. Uh, yeah, all the stuff I've been saying for years. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and, it, and it works is that's the stuff we're doing now and keeping six foot, foot of distance and, it are, and, you know, maybe a little bit ramped up from, you know, some of the messaging that we've had, but it's all consistent with the idea that, you know, you are the one that's going to have the biggest impact on whether or not you get sick. And so um, so that's central to this. Another central part of it is uh, we really need to focus on making sure that people that are most at risk from this disease are taken care of. And so if you are... Uh, over 65, if you have an underlying medical condition, those are the people that we really need to, as a community and as individuals, need to be very aware of and doing all that we can to support them in their efforts to avoid this disease. I mean, for an average healthy person that's under 60, you know, this the fatality rates for this thing are very, very low, probably less than a tenth of a percent you right. know, one in a thousand to one in ten thousand kind of range and so if you um if, if if we get it if we say look we 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 want to move on and that's kind of like flu we'll do that but it's those high risk groups where the fatality rates can be 10 12 percent that we need to say you know for those people we're gonna we're gonna do all we can to let them stay home from work if they're working to not have to go out to get groceries or whatever, you know, we're not going to take our kids over there <laughs> and expose them, you know, those kind of things, you know, right. that's, that's a, a key part of this. And that, those, those restrictions for those that are high risk and, and helping out the high risk group stays throughout all of the phases of the governor's plan. So that's, I think, an important part of this. Uh, and then the the third part, though, is that we just we have to balance this with the need for the economy to be able to function. And so that's and so then there are these guidelines for for the various uh, places that we work and do business to start to open up and what things can be done to help stop the spread and protect people. Try and do it safely, but but in all actuality, this is a balancing. Act and I and I I'm glad we've started to recognize that it's not all about health. It's also about <laughs> about uh, you know eating the health of the economy yeah. and, and being able to yeah. I mean so you know the number one determinant of health is socioeconomic status. And if if we put everybody into poverty because we're worried about one disease, then everything else explodes and and we end up with deaths. And we have in, in our right. other areas, and we have to acknowledge that, and we have to say, look, there's 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 a balance here. We can't just shut everything down. So, so uh, I think it's a, a good plan by the governor, and uh, we're happy to be, be supportive of that. We're supportive of the idea that uh, we could probably move to yellow and be just fine. Uh, what I'm hearing uh, from the governor's office is he wants to move fairly rapidly through orange into yellow for the whole state and we'll see how that works somebody threw out uh, may 15th as a possibility that's that's when they'll reevaluate and we'll see i'm i'm hoping that he'll at least at that time start to say well there are some areas that we feel like could open up so i have as you were talking i came up with like 50 questions i had on on things but i'm going to go with the selfish one first now <laughs> my my mom is dying my mom has lung disease uh it's it's sad. It's, you know, obviously anytime you deal with uh, something like that, it's sad. 
uh, what we're dealing with as a family right now is we've got COVID. We're not supposed to visit her because she is one of those that is, you know, if she gets it, it it will kill her. But at at the same time, we know she doesn't have very long left anyway. should we be visiting her doctor? Should should we be staying away? Should we be trying other avenues? I know that's a, not an easy question to answer, and there's maybe not even a right answer. But what what's your opinion on that? I, I, I forgot to tell you, only answering yeah easy questions. Oh, you're not. Today. No, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, that is a really tough it question. Is. I think one yeah. of the one of the saddest parts of this outbreak has been that we've locked up the old people and, yeah. and nobody visits them, and then they end up getting sick and dying alone you know yeah it's it's terrible and i and i'm not sure it's the ultimate good to say well at least we didn't give them covid you know while they died alone or at least they didn't give anybody else covid you know if you're a young person going to visit them i i'm i'm not i'm not sure that's the value that everybody would place on that but that's the value that's been placed on us does that make sense and so i i I, I don't know. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I was in your situation, would I go in there and say, visit my mother? I I, I think I would have to think about that a lot. It's and, a tough uh, one, yeah. And um, I, I, I think the ability to console and be there and, and have some of those precious moments with your mother would be very valuable. So. I, I appreciate your opinion on that, and there's no lawsuit involved or anything yeah. here. I know this no. stuff that doctors have, unfortunately have to think about. But, yeah, I just uh, – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. We, we go visit. We, we do not go in the house. You know, we stay on the back porch, and we wear masks, and we keep social distance. And so we feel like we're taking enough precautions. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I, I crave a hug yeah. from my mom. Oh, yeah. You know, it's been a oh, long yeah. time. So I, It sounds like you're – have you've come to a compromise that makes a lot of sense but you know i i don't think those kinds of decisions should be made by somebody in salt lake or yeah. washington dc or something like that somebody that's, with a, a suit a on it yeah matter and and uh, i don't i don't i i'm i'm glad you've come to figure it out so now you obviously the governor's your boss correct he's all of our boss in this yeah, situation yeah right? so, uh and I do not want to put you in a position where you criticize your boss, but but I, I kind of feel like that that politicians unfortunately are in a, in a in a situation where they have to take too far. They have to they have to take too many precautions because and understandably so. They're trying to represent the entire populace, but man, it, it sometimes and and not only that but also the fact that a governor and our population base is in the wasatch front you know out of the what two point whatever million people there are in this state two point something million of them are right there at the wasatch front and so it uh, i think sometimes as southern utahns we kind of feel like well you know we're being governed based on salt lake city and and orem and ogden yeah i i i I don't envy the situation the governor's in i mean I, i bet he gets 300 calls every day with somebody wanting some sort of exception to, to what he's put out there and uh, i mean i think he's got a he's got a tough road to hold. Sure. He's, he's trying to do the very best he can given the situation and the logistics of where they are i i have to tell you what i found to be the most interesting about this whole situation and that is i i don't i don't think we ever really defined the goals here right right i mean yeah. I, I i don't I don't think we ever sat down and said, you know what, here's success and here's failure when we deal with this thing. And and, and, I, and so I think we've been able to have approaches that 
people have been fine with for a long time was say flu um, because we've kind of had definitions that made sense with this i think we've been pushed largely by the media into a definition of anybody getting sick is a failure in the system somehow and we're gonna we're gonna hold every politician accountable for that right and, and so so i just think that creates a that it, no matter what there we're, we're all going to fail at this thing and and, and instead of saying yeah, here's a, an infectious disease, and we're going to do the best we can. We're also going to try and, you know, have be reasonable about how we do this and balanced. I, I think we're in a mode that says any any cases or deaths, that's a failure, and and I just that that just doesn't fit the reality of the world we live in, you know. And so, well, the reality so. of of anything is if you don't if you play a sports game and you don't know how many points a, a, a basket or a touchdown is worth, oh, we'll tell you later. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How do you know if you want or not? I- so we've 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 ramped up this huge response, and you know the governor's office particularly has. You know, you look at the spreadsheet for all the people they brought in that are involved. Very smart, very motivated people, and and we're moving the ball. And um, but I'm not sure we know what the goal is. And part of that right. goal certainly is to to make sure the hospitals uh, are not overwhelmed. And I think that has succeeded magnificently. I mean, yeah. the hospitals half empty over there. And, even uh, even in New York, you know, the, yeah. the, the hospitals were not overwhelmed. Even even in New York, and and so you know, I n- none of those are bad. But I don't. I I I'm, I think what most people are saying with all of what was being said, because there's plenty on all sides of the issue here, is. We, we need to make sure we understand what the goal is here so we can all get to that place together. And uh, that I think it's time to redefine some of those terms. So I, I hope that's what part of this this phased plan is, is about, is kind of defining where we can all be together. Uh, I, I think... I think I think it's helpful for for that and and so is the governor doing a good job? I I I think he's doing the best he can given right. all the variables that's going on up there. And again, you're right. The the Salt Lake County has a whole different perspective on this than we do. And uh, and and so I a lot of the terms that you hear and and one of the things that was in the letter is this is just not a one size fits all event. Right. We need to be able to be flexible enough to to meet the needs of our individual areas. But uh, but then that creates trouble, too. And so um, we'll we'll continue to to try and do the best we can with what the governor's put together. This is a a part of the state that's very big on high school athletics. Uh, The spring sports season uh, were all canceled. Uh, and that includes, you know, things like uh, dance and tennis and golf and, but of course, baseball and softball and track and field. Uh, there was a petition, a big movement, uh, parents, players, fans, everything uh, put a petition together. The UHSA board met and, and basically said, well, that's a nice petition, but sorry, uh, we're go- what we're going to do. I thought this was interesting. They put their release out yesterday afternoon. And they said, not only are we not going to have spring sports, but unless all 29 counties in the state of Utah go to code yellow we're not going to have fall sports either mm-hmm. now they're you know optimistic that they they will be by you know by august when fall sports roll around but uh there was in in my mind there was a little bit of a veiled threat there they're saying hey look at look at this yeah. uh, you know and that's frustrating yeah well you know so i'll i'll give you some personal context here i've got a senior in my house and yeah me too <laughs> so she's yeah. uh, she's not happy right sure. and so i i hear about it every day and um, I think it's um, I, 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 
I mean, it's part of the whole picture, right? Sure. We have to feel comfortable that that's that those activities are not going to spread disease to kill a bunch of people. And and I think we understand the disease better now than we did, and we'll understand it better, you know, in a month or two than we do now. And and so I'm I'm hopeful that that would be the case that we're at yellow by fall. I, I don't yes. I don't know how much of a threat oh, that is. I think it's maybe a an idea to look what to look for rather than still trying to take it to a place that they can't go right now and give somebody give people something to look forward to mm. which is fall sports so not a threat but maybe a glimmer of hope that's what i that's how i would interpret that you know it's funny you and i both have seniors in our houses and it's been a little bit heart-wrenching seeing things taken away from them uh, you know senior prom and yeah. graduation oh, and, yeah. and grad night and, and things like that uh, our age, uh, we have perspective of time, and probably in twenty years, they're gonna, they're gonna, it'll be the most memorable graduation yeah. or non-graduation that anyone yeah. has ever had, uh, where the school did something kind of special for them and stuff. And yeah, they miss out on these other things, but uh, by the same token, you feel for these young, yeah. these young people. Yeah, they clearly have had, um, you know, a precious time of life altered. Yeah, know? and I, and I think it's important. Uh, for them and for all of us to create some memories that will be good. So, yeah, maybe they can say we were the COVID uh, senior generation and uh, yeah. we, we, we were, there was no generation like us ever. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's ask some, some, uh, some deals with this disease. Uh, there was news out in the last couple of days that it's mutating. Uh, is that common and is that something we need to worry about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, mutates all the way along and will continue to do so and um, the question is is the core of the virus alterably you know recognizably altered so this is a different disease and the answer is no it's still the same disease and it won't change um, what they're looking at for vaccines and things like that so the flu is 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 hard because what they were using for the vaccine was what they the the hemagglutinin and the neuraminidase factors which allow it to grab onto cells and, and and so they've been trying to use more they call them conserved elements of the of the virus for for coronavirus and coronavirus is actually very stable and it has highly conserved parts and that's what they're hmm. using for the vaccine so this it, it makes the vaccine for coronavirus less of a moving target i mean it certainly could happen that way but viruses just change that's expected it's not something unique to this virus in fact this virus is much more stable than some others that we've heard about so um so I, it, hopefully it's out there it's funny you, you talked about it and even the president has talked about it how the the media gloms onto a story this was the latest one that is mutating yeah even though there's it, it's really not a story no it really isn't and, and they, they want it to be right they want to oh yeah they're looking for, for some yeah. reason the the need to inspire fear and, <laughs> and terror is is just really deep on this and i i don't know why that is the case but i mean there, there's enough to to focus on with all of this and i Man, the, the science is fascinating, and they've got a, a ton of people working on There's 68 vaccines in production right now. Wow. I don't think there's in, been anything like that in the history of mankind where so many people are doing so much. And so there's there's virtually a vaccine from every type of vaccine ever produced, represented, plus all the different components of that. And and from that, we'll be able to pick one that really works well and, and move on. And, and, and I don't know, maybe there'll be two or three available and we can all choose between some. But uh, 
Uh, the question is the safety and how do you make sure that it's safe? Yeah. How, what's the time frame on that? What do you do to expedite all of that? And uh, so that that's that's really the it's, – it's easy to make the vaccine. It's hard to do to, to make sure it's right, and that's what takes the time. So. I was going to say, you know, I, I've heard that vaccines normally take five to ten years to develop with all the studies and everything. They're trying to get this one through in a matter of months. Yeah. Uh, is is that a good idea? I, I mean, we're talking about a disease that everybody's scared of right now, but we're also talking about vaccines that yeah. you just never know. Yeah, I mean, I, so the downside to that is if there's something not right about the vaccine, it's really hard to catch it if you're not doing the studies right. right. And, uh, so you, you could end up hurting people you know and so yeah i'm glad i'm not the one making that decision because i'm sure the pressure on them is huge to rush this thing through and and uh but then uh, then then there's also pressure from the other side to say no we got to do this right so i'm sure they are (laughs) i i I do think what's being done though is a, a vast amount of resources are being put into the effort and so that with that there will be the capacity to do that work in a compressed amount of time as far as you know crunching numbers and you know having lots of smart people working on it and that kind of thing so so i I, i'm i'm comfortable that they'll be able to come up with something that's gonna be just fine uh and hopefully it's sooner rather than later uh so everybody can still ignore it and uh but we'll all feel better about ignoring it i guess i don't know so you know we still only have about a third of people that get the flu shot every year and yet we have you know we have almost as many deaths from flu as we have from this and and so i i don't know how to place all that from a kind of context of human behavior and things right right well it's (laughs) certainly inspired a bunch of fear in us i you know you're talking about the vaccine we do need to get a weather break in here real quick but i wanted to ask you this uh you you watch you know there are drug commercials on television or on the radio in the last 10 or 15 seconds of the commercial is uh, may cause this, 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 you may cause blindness, may cause baldness, may cause Disney, you may die from this, whatever, you know, and and obviously they're they're legally now required to disclose that. At what point, is there a tipping point where you go, okay, the the side effects are worse than the disease, and and, and that's what they're dealing with, I guess, with with this vaccine, the vaccines that they're working on. Absolutely. So there there actually is established criteria for when when the the side effects outweigh the potential benefits and and even within a patient a doctor can kind of do that math right and right. say you know what there's this percentage of people that end up with this but the, you know and this person they're this likely to die from that you know so is it worth it so yeah, yeah and it, it, i have to say the side effect profile for for vaccines is tiny right more yeah. than a million usually and 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 so you just want to make sure that you just you just want to make sure the studies are done. It stays small. You want it small. Yeah. That's, that's the big deal. Absolutely. All right. All right. We're talking with Dr. David Blodgett, the uh, director of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department, and a good friend of mine. Thank you again yeah, for coming in today. Uh, he'll be around for another uh, 20, 25 minutes, and uh, we might even take some of your phone calls uh, if we have time. I'm not going to lie, one of the traps I fall into when doing this show and I have a guest in the studio is I get talking during the commercials with the guest and before you know it, the break's over and it's dead air and I'm going to get fired if I keep doing that. So I'll, I'll try not to do that. So, We're talking. So, sorry about that. Not your fault. It's my fault. <laughs> I should be aware. But uh, yeah, we're talking with Dr. David Blodgett from the Southwest Utah Public Health Department. Dr. Blodgett, thanks again for coming it's in great today. great to be here. Thanks for having me. 
You uh, you live in Cedar City, correct? Right, I do. And you uh, actually are from Cedar City, right? born and raised, right? I wasn't born there, but yeah. Oh, okay. Right, went through all of school there, so yeah. Went out and sought your fortune uh, amongst the world and then came back. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be able to come back and, and uh, serve in a community I believe in, so that's great. We're glad to have you here. It is really great to have you here. Uh, I wanted to ask you about masks. Uh, we've talked about it. I, I think maybe every show we've done, we've at least spent like a minute on masks and, and what good or not good that they, they do. Uh, a recent story out, and, and actually Costco put the story out themselves, they will be requiring not only their associates, their, their workers, but all customers in order to shop at Costco starting Monday uh, will be required to wear a mask. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, the, the, the guidance has evolved on this. and uh, It's changed. And, and is probably what the original guidance wasn't terrible from a standpoint of pure disease transmissibility. I'm not sure the mask does a ton. But... Um, but there is there are, there are reasons why masks might be helpful, and, that, and the number one probably is to help you in your quest to not touch your eyes, your nose, your mouth, right? So if there's something over your nose, it's really hard to touch it, and and it, and it just is a reminder that that helps. And if you have some a disease, if you have the beginning stages of something, you don't know you have something, then you're much less likely to be able to put out those droplets that would spread right. to somebody else. So. So there's a two-pronged approach on why masks aren't such a terrible idea. Uh, I do have some ideas on getting masks. So um, I don't, you've heard and probably seen that the, the state has, has offered a mask to every yeah, resident. Two million of them. Yeah, yeah, so they've got those available on their website, uh, coronavirus.utah.gov. You can go on there and order up to six for your family. So, you know, everybody ought to take advantage of that. Well, this is Utah. That's not going to cover everybody in the family. <laughs> six. How about, how about have, nine? Have two people. To okay. Write in then, or okay. Whatever. Three. Whatever it takes. <laughs> but, um, but so those are those are available, and, and everybody can have one, you know. So, so those, and they're cloths, so they can be washed and, oh, good. and you know, sanitized and all that stuff. And so I, I think the caution is, you know, if you touch something and then touch your mask, then your mask is contaminated, right? And you just right. got to be aware of kind of continually recycling through that and not just uh, having one mask for, <laughs> for the rest of the outbreak or whatever, um, as far as not washing them and things like that. So, you know, th this is not a very hardy disease, though, so a little bit of... Uh, yeah, bleach or hydrogen peroxide or something in the in the water will cure kill anything when you wash them, and and so good. not a, not a not a big deal to keep them where they need to be as far as sterilization goes. So you could use those to, to when you work for the requirements at work and things like that, or you know whether it, maybe your employer has you know the more kind of disposable version. But uh, as far as uh, an idea, I think that's something great that the state's done. Both my daughters work uh, part time. Both of them are required to wear masks in their places of employment. I'm not going to say what, what you know where they work, but they both re are required to wear masks. Uh, neither one of them will work in a place where the customers are required to wear masks. So. Yeah, it would. And I and I think the suggestion is uh, the the wording is if you're in a place where it's difficult to socially isolate, then you, then a mask is recommended. And so those aisles at Costco are pretty wide. Yeah. I think you could accomplish that. I'm I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so I, then it's a judgment call, right, by right. the general public. So required as part of the governor's order for those that are employed and doing it as part of their work, and uh, suggested for those that are not. 
interesting that some businesses have taken it that next step to say this is what we would like to see in our place of business and uh, yeah. they're certainly allowed to do that so. somebody was laughing the other day said oh, so I, do i have to wear one when i'm eating at a restaurant so it would be awful hard to get food in your mouth uh, <laughs> that's true yeah that's true so all right well I, you know and the other thing that you you talked about in in the past is uh, as far as personal protection masks don't help a whole bunch because they get saturated so quickly well, and, and the other the other problem I think we're seeing is people think that it has to be an N95, and and so if you're in a patient contact, if you're a medical provider, N95s do provide protection. So if you really want the protection from somebody else, uh, that is an N95 mask. The problem is those only work for about a half hour before they saturate, and then they're no better than anything else. Hmm. And so as a provider, you have to keep recycling those, right? And they actually have ways to sterilize them and dry them out and things that, they, that they've been investigating and doing. But uh, for the general person that's not in a discreet medical contact, they don't make any sense. In fact, they're, I don't know if you've tried to wear an N95 for very long. but I've never worn one. They're now. impossible to breathe through. And oh. I, I was driving down and I saw somebody jogging with an N95 on. I thought, <laughs> holy cow, man, what kind of lung power would you have to have to do that? So... Um, because it filters, you know, it's they, the, the, and, and N95 means that they filter out 95% of particulates, you yeah. know, down to really small micron numbers. So, uh, so they're so they're difficult to wear long term, and most people can't do it. But you know, a surgical mask or a cloth mask, they're much easier to to do that with. So, yeah, 95%. <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't jogging. Well, and you see people sitting in cars by themselves wearing yeah. masks. Like, yeah. who are you protecting? Yeah, I just, uh, uh, you know, it's keeping the principles intact in or are, are important and remembering what you're trying to do and what's practical and things like that. But that's, you know, everybody has their comfort level. And, and if that's where you feel like you need to go to, to protect yourself, then, then I'm certainly not going to begrudge that at all. But the recommendation, if you're in a place where it's difficult to socially isolate then uh, or socially distance, then wear a mask. I wanted to talk about a couple of new things on your website. We'll get to those in just a second. But I uh, wanted to ask you, everybody says, well, you, you need to be careful around those who are immunocompromised. Can you maybe be a little more specific about that? Who Who is most at risk? Yeah, so immunocompromised we, and we've talked about this in a number of situations like they, they might a vaccine might not work for somebody that's immunocompromised because they can't mount an immune response and so right. there's a number of contexts in which people that have a, a decreased immune system uh, is really important and i know you've had commissioner cox on he's kind of the prototype of what immunocompromised means he's, right. he's uh, in, in a situation where he could easily pick up something and have a really difficult time with it because of his uh, his bout with cancer which he's been very open about so 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 there are diseases that can help that can move you towards that there's medications if you're on steroids things like that um, yeah, HIV is immunocompromising uh, by definition human, human right. immunodeficiency yeah. syndrome so um, uh, there are certain uh, other illnesses that make you more immune compromised if you don't have a spleen and, and things like that. So, uh, age. Age, okay. yeah. As you age, you, your immune system tends to what weaken about, over time. What about some of the common things like diabetes? Right. So, <clears throat> the things that we're seeing that cause the underlying medical conditions is a little bit different. And, and so, those are, situ- those are diseases that make you less likely to be able to do to fight off the disease or do well with the disease. So... Um, 
diabetes and obesity had the list on that, heart disease, uh, even high blood pressure, surprisingly hmm. enough. So when you really get into thinking about that list of what is higher, higher risk disease, it's a, lot, it's a big chunk of the population. You know, Probably a third of people fit into that you know, category. And, and so that's something to be aware of as you're deciding whether or not to wear masks and who do you want to be around and things like that. Uh, but if you are in those situations, and, and those, those lists are on our website as well, and there's a good explanation in the governor's plan about what uh, immunocompromise means and things like that. But um, uh, And we're trying uh, – there's a, a, an advisory group to the governor's task force that is refining, trying to put a number to the risk to give people an idea of what that means, but I don't know that we're ever going to be able to do that because everybody's individual, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. But uh, – but, but the idea is the healthier you are, the better you're going to do with this disease regardless. So, so exercise. You know, Eat right. All, Get enough sleep. It all comes down to exercise. Boy, doesn't it sound like something we've talked about a hundred times on this show? <laughs> it does, surprisingly <laughs> enough. Yep, absolutely. It's amazing. All right, we've got to get one more break in. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the new cool kind of features on the uh, Southwest Utah Public Health Department website, swuhealth.org, and uh, including a checklist for employers that, that, that might come in pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, we hope people can use it. That would be great. All right, we'll get to that in just a second. I do want to thank Joe Shoney. He is a proud sponsor of this show. He's a local loan consultant and been doing it for two and a half decades plus. And uh, you go on the, online, and he just gets a fantastic review, rave reviews. Uh, out of 338 reviews, he has an average of 4.91 out of 5 stars. That's really good. In fact, I don't think Dr. Bloods even gets quite that high a number. It's close, but not, not quite that high. Uh, Joe Shoney, listen to a couple of these reviews. Uh, we've worked with Joe in the past. He got us a fantastic rate and processed our file in a speedy manner. That was Sergio. Cameron says, Joe and his team did a great job working with me to complete the loan process. They were great to work with. It's Joe Shoney. The phone number is 435-590-6300. And you can email Joe, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be back with Dr. Blodgett in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the program. It's 948. I'm Andy Griffin. Dr. David Blodgett joining me today from the Southwest Utah Public Health Department. And, uh, how long have you been there now at the Southwest Utah uh, Public Health Department? 15 years in uh, wow. October. So wow. 14 Directed. and a half years, I guess. You're, you're halfway to retirement. Yeah. <laughs> the last three weeks have felt like about yeah. five years added on. They, that, they should it? give you, yeah, they should give you credit for a couple of years for the COVID-19 uh, uh, stuff that you've had to go through. Uh, we, uh, You were talking about your website a little bit. Uh, first of all, I really, uh, we did... For six weeks or something, we did hourly updates on COVID-19 all day, all night yeah. here on KDXU. And I got to tell you, your your daily update at 2, 2 p.m. approximately was really, really helpful to yeah. us as we oh, put the, Craig and I put those together. Uh, thank you so much, you and, and David Heaton, yeah. and, and putting that stuff together. Uh, that was important to us. And I think it's important for people to know. They want to know how many. They want to know what. They want to know who was hospitalized, things like that. So that's been fantastic. Uh, thank you. I have, uh, a, I have a great team. And, you know, yeah. Sometimes it's easier to set things like that up than to maintain them long term, right? It's, True. It's oh, the yeah. maintaining that, that causes the effort. And uh, 
they've done a magnificent job. So doing it the first time is a project and it's fun. Doing it the fifty seventh time, yeah. not so much. It's it's the, in praise of maintenance, right? We've talked about that before yeah. too. You know? <laughs> try, try, those that keep the world flowing by by keeping up with everything that needs to be kept up with. Yeah. So let's talk about. Well, first of all, of course, you get the daily update on the numbers. That's right. that's always big. You can go to swuhealth.org. Just click on the. I think it, was, it says coronavirus, coronavirus update or something update. like that. And now, yeah, so we have the, the all the numbers there for local and state. Um, I, I will say this: the state is looking at increasing the kind of the offering of things that are there so they call it small area data and what they'll have is broken down by more granular areas like you know st george area, where yeah washington county yeah. other than st george kind of things uh what what the hospitalizations like like what kinds of people have been hospitalized you know so they're allowed to do that because they have they de-identify it. So you'll see some areas where they say, "No, it's just too small. We can't do that. Too small in numbers." Sure. Uh, but they they own the data. We there's a program that we use to track, and it's all state. It comes out of the state, and so they can query that and put that on there. So if you're if you're looking for some more details, get an idea of you know the ages and things like that. That that data will be coming out. Oh, uh, good. In the next week. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a state's website. So. I'm a statistics guy. I love that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so I just wanted to make that comment. But, but we've tried to give the kind of data we think will be helpful for people. You know, how many are recovered, and we do a better job of retract of tracking recovery than the state website will. So we actually call everybody every day to see how they're doing. Uh, and so we know if they've gotten worse or if they're better. So what are we, and, over and, 100 in, in the five yeah, counties? And you call them every day? W- yeah, 121. And once they're recovered, we don't call them anymore, but those right. are active cases. So you take well, the recovered. That's and awesome. The, the cases minus the recovered, and that's how many active cases we have. So we have about 40 right now. You have, a, what, Linda in the office doing that? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, have, we have a team. By the way, I know team. Linda really well. Yeah. Linda's great too. We have a great team. We're just a great, great group of people that are doing working really hard. Uh, and then we have a current hospitalized amount, and then the, the number that have died with the dates that that happened. And I don't know how long we'll keep that up if we get a number of deaths, but if, so far we've been able to do that. So, uh, th- so that's all there. But then we have links to kind of suggestions and what it means to socially distance and all that, and, and links to the governor's plan. But the governor's plan is pretty hard to read. <laughs> yeah. It's dense and confusing. And so what we did is took took each of those categories and broke them down and made it much more accessible. So you can click on on each of the areas. Say you're a, a restaurant. Uh, that that data has been pulled out and put in one place. And you, and you can see the current phase we're in, what, what the recommendations are for that, as well as all of the phases down below that. And so I, I think that's really helpful. Then, in addition to that, we've put um, an attestation document for each of those categories. So what the attestation is, is basically those recommendations put into a form that you can go through for your business and check it off and say, it says, do you have your employees wear masks? Yes, check. Do you sanitize all your surfaces You know, every so often? Check. And then, so you check down through that list and then... Mm-hmm. Sign as the owner, whoever is authorized in your organization, say we attest that we've met all the requirements that the governor has for us to be in operation. So, it's a self-attestation. We're not inspecting people on that, or they're not sending it back to us. But it is a way for businesses to say, yeah, we're taking this seriously, and we want people to come in. So, part of the problem 
I think businesses face is they may be open, but do people feel comfortable coming in? Right, right. And right. so this is a way for a business to show to everybody that's out there that hey, we're we're doing what's been asked of us, and and we want uh, to assure you that we are taking this seriously, and we want you to feel comfortable coming in and, and working with us. So that's available on our website. I think it's a nice thing uh, for businesses to be able to do. It's not onerous, uh, and so take a look, see what you think. Attestation is a big word, and uh, <laughs> I, what it basically means is I, people saying, I did this. I, here, right. Here's what we've committed and we are doing, and uh, I love it. Uh, is it. Is it something that you will post on the website? Is it something they yeah. put in their restaurant is it, 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 or so, store? So the document itself is there. They can da- then download it and post it there in their in their building, maybe on their door when they come in, maybe by their uh, by their permit from us to operate. If they have, you know, if they're a restaurant, you know, someplace where people can see it would be nice. That's yeah, that's uh, almost as good as you know, your Department of Health putting you know the, that this is a clean place yeah. to eat type. You have that that attestation yeah. document. I think it, it could be something that could be very useful and give people a little bit of peace of mind when yeah. they when they go to a business, local business. We, we hope it will. We hope it will prove it something that and then, and hopefully the business owners will be very serious about making sure they are doing those things. So what you don't want to do is check yes, we're wearing masks, and then you walk in and nobody's, nobody's wearing, wearing masks. Right? <laughs> so so people will be able to see whether you're doing some of that stuff, but I think it's and so maybe there's a self policing kind of thing there, but it, so it's not that we're inspecting and saying they're doing it. It's not an it's not that we're not certifying anything right. from the health department. It's just that they're attesting that they're doing, which I, I think is the best way we can do it when you think about what Five thousand businesses. <laughs> there's no right. Way, there's no right. way we're getting around. All no, that. <laughs> no chance. But I, I like it though because it basically it, it's telling people that may want to come in. Look, this is what we're doing. It's here. It's checked off. We're doing it, and you know you can look around if you want to, and, and we can prove it. But then it can give someone like me who I don't know if I should go in there or not. Yeah. And I can say, all right, you know what? These guys are really committed. I know I've had uh, friends of mine that own businesses, and they said, "Man, it's so frustrating because we don't." We don't know exactly what we're supposed to do. Well, you, you actually can know exactly yeah. what you're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, if you're checking those boxes off, then you're meeting the requirements that the governor's put in place. So that's good. Well, George Strait, check yes or no. Are you old enough to remember that one? <laughs> I, I remember. Yeah. Okay. All right. Check, check yes or no. Check yes on those, though, not no. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, about, about three minutes left. Uh, as, as we as we talk about this whole thing and uh, the, the studies and my, I was talking with Craig this morning on on the, or earlier on the show about models and I actually quoted you I said Dr. Blodgett always says models are only as good as the numbers that are put into it. There was another model came out yesterday or the day before, uh, and the media jumped on it and said, "Oh look, there's there actually going to be twice as many after yeah. we knocked it down." And then finally it came out that well that was a, a worst case scenario model. Right. Uh, does it frustrate you that these things keep coming out and they keep? I mean, well, I mean, and, and 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 unfortunately, what we're learning about most of the modelers is you know they're academics that do it based on on, on their ivory tower, and there's not a lot of reality <laughs> going into those models. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I try and look at them just to see what they think. Actually, the one that we've been tracking, the one out of the University of Washington, which is probably the most prevalent model, has dropped dramatically. Hmm. It was projecting. It consistently, it started out at 1,500 deaths in Utah. Uh, I mean, 1,500 deaths in our area, 15,000 in the Utah in Utah when it was two million. You know, and then it dropped right. down quickly to somewhere in the neighborhood of three or four hundred. 
for Utah, even as, as recently as last week. Now it's dropped to, I think it's 85 or something for the state of Utah. So we'll see how close well that one is. You know, that, that, you're right, they're all wrong. But um, yeah. uh, hopefully they give you some indication of where things are going. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're clearly, as we open up, people are kind of there. It's the Wild West down here on the weekends. And, uh, you know, we'll see some extra cases. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we're... But we'll continue to try and balance that with, you know, we've got to, we've got to still be able to put food on the table for families. So we're, hopefully, we're striking the right balance here. We got a minute left. If you had to say, if you were the guy that made the final decision, would you close our state parks to out-of-state visitors? Um, because that seems to be the majority of the people that are there on weekends. Yeah, I, 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 it, it. It's a little bit inconsistent with the governor's orange level, which restricts travel. To not say that, but I, yeah. but I, 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 I'm actually okay with it. As, I mean, when you're outside, <laughs> it's really hard to spread this disease, right? Right. So, what are the odds? Yeah. So I, I, I just, I'm not. I, I like the idea of giving people something to do as opposed to sitting and watching Netflix, right? And, and so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm torn. And, and I, I think it's I think the governor's is is fine to have started to open up places where people can go and 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 get away from the the being boxed in mentality that's been going on. So. National Park, I think, opens a week from today. Yeah, a week from today. Yeah, Zion does. Uh, Bryce is this week, so we'll wish them well. All right, we've used up the time. He's Dr. Blodge, and I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you for coming in today. It's Thanks always again. a pleasure. It's great, a great job. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening today, folks. Tomorrow it's Mayor Thursday with John Pike. We'll talk to you then.